You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. From inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. Big show coming up because there's a big opponent coming up on a big day. The Colts will take on the Arizona Cardinals. Been the best team in the NFC for most of the season, or at least the number one team in terms of the standings. And they'll take them, uh, take them on Saturday night, Christmas Day, down to the desert. We'll preview the matchup with an injury update, break down our keys to the game, we'll make some predictions, as always. But first, we start with the news around the league, mostly centered around the Colts, which begins with linebacker Darius Leonard being the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Had eight tackles, a solo, ten tackles total, one interception, one pass defensed, and one forced fumble last week in the Colts' victory over the New England Patriots. Uh, Chap, this is the fourth time Leonard has won the award, and I saw a stat, I don't know if it was you or somebody else that tweeted it out, that uh, Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney both won this award five times in their entire careers. So Darius Leonard, in just his fourth season in the NFL, has nearly matched their totals. So he's averaging one player of the week, award per year of his career, which is pretty darn impressive. And, well, he had a very good week last week and was very important in the Colts' victory over the Patriots. It's funny. Early in his career, he's had takeaways his entire career, but early in his career, it was 15, 16, 17 tackles routinely. And now the tackles are down somewhat for whatever reason. But, boy, the takeaways are there. He's got He's had – I think it's 10 takeaways thus far, which if it's not a team record, it's close. Those are so hard to gate. It's it's hard to research takeaways by a player because just because you had like, he's got like six forced fumbles. That's not six takeaways because he had a forced fumble the other day that, that New England recovered, but he just has a knack for making plays. And this league, we've talked about it and I'll always talk about it. This league isn't about 16 tackles. It's about two or three plays that turn a game, and he has a knack for doing that. Joe, Joe uh, Darius has been doing this all year. We've talked about it quite a bit, but uh, when you're going up against the team that's uh, coming into the week, the top-ranked squad in the AFC, you need your stars to step up, and Darius certainly did that, as evidenced by this award. Yeah, he's been doing it all year, but th- this week he finally matched the turnovers with a high tackle total and I think that's what got him the award there uh, and we kind of talked about it on Monday it's amazing how he's doing all of this on a bum ankle Darius Leonard definitely one of the best in the game no doubt about it T.Y. Hilton also selected as the Colts recipient of the Ed Block Courage Award uh, he's been he gets nominated or voted by his teammates uh, it's an annual recognition for the Colts uh, for courageous play by an individual and uh, with with what T.Y. went through in the preseason, uh, Mike, certainly a, a worthy recipient of this award. We all saw him. I remember all of us just standing there in the indoor practice facility watching him go deep and uh, just coming down, getting kind of landed on funny. He stayed there on the ground. And then it comes out a couple of days later that he has a neck injury and he gets surgery and fights through it to be back in the lineup. Goes through another injury or two when he comes back, like plays one game, gets hurt, plays one game, gets hurt. But... Uh, fortunately, he's kind of shed that uh, that pattern, and uh, T.Y.'s been on the field, though certainly not producing in the way he has in the past, but 
has been, I think if you watch Hard Knocks, you realize how important T.Y. is to this team with uh, the speeches he's given in the locker room, pregame, postgame. So uh, a, a another deserving recipient of an award, T.Y. Hilton, the Ed Block Courage Award, voted on by his teammates. Yeah, when, when Frank, we talked to Frank the other day, he said, hey, T.Y.'s the man. He's a man in the locker room. And again, this award, it, it recognizes a player's courageous play on the field and what he does off the field and neck surgery. I mean, how, how much how much more do you have to say the neck surgery? Which, if we go back and remember when we talked to T.Y. after this, is he seriously considered retirement after the surgery because you're talking, you know, neck surgery and all that and, and what it can do for the rest of your life. So, well-deserved. And we won't dwell on it right now, but I think people need to appreciate T.Y. Hilton over the next month because this is probably his last year. He sort of addressed it a little bit today. Uh, not that this is his last year. He said that when the season's over, he'll sit and talk about it, and he's going he's gonna to talk to Jack Doyle about retirement. And, and these are the two longest-tenured Colts. T.Y.'s contract's up. Jack Doyle's got another year to go. But uh, people, need, people need to appreciate T.Y. for what he's done. I think what he can still do, because uh, th- this might be the, 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 the last hurrah for T.Y. Hilton in Indy. He certainly came into the league, Mike, is, of course, the – uh, not needing to be a leader at all. It was uh, Marvin who passed it down to Reggie, who passed it down to T.Y., kind of that mantle in the wide receiver room, and he talks about that frequently. But, <clears throat> I mean, I think I think this year in particular, maybe it's just the fact that we've seen it on Hard Knocks, but it seems like it, just in general, that uh, like he is, he's kind of stepped up in that role, that, uh, that he has... I, I, you, you figure that the leadership void, like somebody steps in to fill it no matter what, but I was just thinking this week, like, if... If T.Y. Hilton does sign with the Ravens like he was very close to doing this offseason, like who would it be? I don't know exactly who it would be on the offensive side of the ball, but he's certainly stepped up when he's needed to. You just don't you just don't tell somebody he's a leader. Right. It doesn't work that it doesn't work that way. You you either are in, internally or you're not. And I think initially in his career he wasn't because he didn't have to be. But I, I think he he's understood that. This is a role that, that it comes with the job description, and he's grown into it. And you're right. I think Hard Knocks has sort of amplified that because we don't, even when we were in the locker room previously, we never really saw the interaction, uh, certainly with, with the other receivers and certainly not in, in meeting rooms. But but we've, we've seen on Hard Knocks how his leadership, we, we, we really have, and I think that's kind of cool to see how he's, again, grown – as a player, as a person, and again, kudos to T.Y. Hilton. Much, much, much deserved. Uh, Joe, when you look to the future, obviously it's, a, again, a leadership void that's going to have to be filled in the future. But um, when you look at the wide receivers, uh, although T.Y. certainly hasn't had the production he has in the past, he's made some really important catches this year. Some big third down plays, some long plays. Um, obviously, when he came back against Houston, uh, made a couple long plays that really got the crowd involved. And that's what T.Y. just seems to all, have always done his career. When the ball goes to him and he makes the catch, everyone inside Lucas Oil Stadium gets jacked up. And when T.Y. Hilton's time with the Colts does come to an end, whether it's at the end of this year or maybe in the future, there's going to be, I mean, not just a leadership void in the locker room, but uh, a void just, I think, among among the fan base of the Colts because few they have cheered on few people harder than T.Y. Hilton. Maybe it's because of all the injuries he's fought through to play, um, to, to be out in front of, of those fans doing what he has to do. Uh, maybe it's because he's been the Colts' most important offensive player outside of the quarterback. 
for the past decade or so. But uh, I think uh, we, we don't want to we don't don't want to put a bow on his career yet. There's still the rest of this season to go, and then we'll see after that. But um, I guess just this award gets us talking and gets us thinking that um, that as as Mike said, you you should really be thankful for the time you've had with Ty, and uh, hopefully it's not exactly hopefully there's one or two fireworks left. Yeah, I mean, who else has their own cheer? You see fans doing the T-Y, T-Y with their arms every time he makes a big play. And, I mean, his importance might not be uh, glaring on the stat sheet, but he's definitely been huge for this Colts team this year, a team where, you know, their two bigger playmakers on offense are just in their second year really breaking out. Carson Wentz is in his first year with the team. I'm not sure he would have felt comfortable kind of being that vocal leader just yet. So T.Y. coming back has been really important to the team, to the offense, and then hopefully going into the future, some of these younger guys, uh, newer guys to the team can kind of step up and fill that role. Also this week, the Colts signed defensive tackle Deshaun Hand to the practice squad. They released cornerback Darquez Denard from the practice squad. Uh, Hand was a fourth-round pick just four years ago in Detroit. Uh, he had a career high, eight starts and three sacks as a rookie. Hasn't had a ton of play since only three starts and zero sacks. So that's just a little bit of, a uh, little bit of, uh, housekeeping, I guess, to, uh, to wrap up our news segment, uh, right now, stuff going around, uh, around the league in, in terms of the Colts. So we've had a lot of football the past couple of days, by the way, guys, COVID had a couple of postponements. We've had Monday and Tuesday night football, it's certainly been fun for the NFL, I just hope that we can keep playing these because, I mean, we talked about this through last year, of course, Chap, and also through this year that um, especially now, once you're near the end of the season, uh, there there are no bye weeks to work around. There are no uh, – the, the ability to, to wiggle things around. The wiggle room is, is really, really slim. So um, just hoping that things kind of you're, – you're hoping things can keep going. You're hoping things can move on. We're hoping that thing, all, every game can be played. And that uh, ultimately uh, the uh, the sickness the uh, the uh, is is kind of mitigated, but but at the same time we saw just an inkling this week of the uh, of the slight craziness that can that can happen because of uh, games that get get messed up due due to COVID and due to people on on, on certain lists. But um, the NFL did tweak some of those rules. I know we touched on that a bit last week, but ultimately there's going to be a little bit less testing. It sounds like uh, during this time, so. Uh, to try to keep from testing asymptomatic players, I think, is, is what it comes down to. But uh, these past couple weeks, these past three weeks, as important as they are for so many teams, you just hope that nobody's season gets uh, se- severely hampered due to this. One one thing, I, I was reading something where some of the o- uh, Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders, were, were complaining about their game being pushed back to what was it Monday? So were the Eagles uh, too. Uh, the, the game that got pushed right. Back well, Tuesday, but, yeah. but the but the thing is, and what what J C. Treader, who's the president of the Players Union, said is, you people don't know how close the NFL came to canceling the games, not postponing it, but canceling it, and go back to when all this happened in the off season when they set these rules in place, you cancel the game and players do not get paid. You know, if your game's out, you get don't get paid. So he said that they, 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 they did what they thought was right. And so, again, Joe and I talked about this briefly, and, and let's knock on wood while I say it. You see all these, these teams that are just getting hammered by COVID, just hammered with these positive tests. 
And the Colts have missed one game with COVID. And that's Ryan Kelly. Uh, so I, I, I to, it's almost like Indy's in a bubble. And so, so I, 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 I don't want to jinx it, but I, I, the, the things that can happen over the next three weeks, it just gives you pause. And I, I always hesitate to refresh my Twitter feed because you don't know what's coming. And I can think of two or three players, four or five players on this team that if they test positive, this team's in trouble. And that's why they've done such a great, great job of following protocol, of doing things the right way. And I think, are they doing more than everybody else? Maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, but I think it's really kind of been very fortunate that, that they've done things the right way. They follow protocol and they've, by and large, avoided what's happened elsewhere. Can that, can that maintain over the next month? I don't know. Cause again, what you mentioned is that one of the changes in the protocol now is, is uh, vaccinated players do not get tested daily or uh, every week, only vaccinated players who show symptoms. And what's really squirrely, I think is that the players sort of have to self-report themselves. Well, yeah, good luck with that. I mean, you know, these guys will play with, with, anything but a bone sticking out. So we'll see. But the unvaccinated players, which the Colts have a handful of very, very significant unvaccinated players, you test positive, you're out 10, 10 days. So all you can do is keep your fingers crossed. Let's go to the injury report for the week. On Tuesday, the first one come, coming out, Andrew Sendejo out of practice with a concussion. Cornerback Rock Yassin out with an illness. Center Ryan Kelly out for personal reasons, which I'll touch on now since since that comes up in the injury report. I mean, all of us wish the absolute best to Ryan and his family. The the, the What's going on with them is heartbroken. The loss of a, a child, an unborn child, is absolutely gutting. It's heartbreaking in, in every situation. And so to Ryan and Emma, my prayers, my thoughts are certainly with you. And the Colts are uh, giving him as much time as he needs, is what Frank Reich said earlier this week, uh, which you would certainly expect and is absolutely happening. So uh, best of luck to Ryan and his family. Um, just really wish that uh, they, they, they are comforted in this, this horrible, horrible time for what's, what's been going on with them. So you, you look at football-wise, and you're glad you have Danny Pinter. And, and saying, saying even talking football-wise just seems weird with, with a situation that's this serious. So... <clears throat> I don't think I need to say too much more uh, about that. And I know you guys, you both feel the same way. Everyone feels the same way. Talking to the guys in the locker room post game, um, they all said that last week they they had like Ryan was really really on their minds as they were pre- playing against the Patriots. So um, I I thought that that was it, it was a great um, great testament or great um, great performance with with Ryan on their mind, especially the guys up front is what Danny Pinner said post game that. Uh, Ryan was certainly on their minds as they played, and I'm sure he'll continue to be on their minds for the rest of the season. And uh, I, I, we, we all hope and pray, like I said, that that their family receives comfort and uh, would would love to see him back, just because I'm sure that would be great for for everyone in the locker room to be able to spend time with this guy who's their friend more than their friend, really their brother on this team. So, uh, so, so, like I said, thoughts and prayers to Ryan, and I'm sure you guys both feel the same way. Yeah, I I think sometimes when when there's personal issues, your job, football, whatever, it, it is a nice distraction. This is this is a totally different level, and everyone grieves and mourns differently and quicker and all this. So, he he needs to take 
all the time he needs it. And that's one thing, again, I'm sure most teams are like this, but the Colts, since we're around this, we see it. They're not giving lip service. They're telling Ryan to, you know, take what time you need with you and yourself and, and Emma. And again, prayer thoughts and prayers go to Ryan, Emma, and their entire family. Same for you, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure what else more there is to say. It's just a terrible situation. You you hope that, you know, some players like to get back to work just because it feels somewhat like normal, and then some players just need more time before they're able to focus on their job again. Everybody's different, and so I just hope that Ryan uh, and his wife and entire family can – uh, I guess he never totally move on from something like this, but can keep pressing forward and uh, just wish the best for everyone involved. Also a full participant in practice on Tuesday with safety George Odom with, again, an illness listed. Cardinals. Uh, Arizona has a couple key players on injured reserve, including uh, Mike Chappell's number one wide receiver in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins. Not just Chaps, but yeah, yeah a, lot of, a lot of Colts fans who, who saw him over the years uh, with the Houston Texans. But fortunate not to be playing a, a guy of his caliber. Also another young man by the name of J.J. Watt uh, on injured reserve and not playing another Colts killer over the years with the Texans, who's now with the Cardinals. Also cornerback Robert Alford is uh, on injured reserve and not playing. A couple players did not participate in Tuesday's practice for the Cardinals. Running back James Conner uh, has a heel uh, injury. Uh, wide receiver Rondale Moore, boiler up, has an ankle injury. Um, he left Sunday's game, by the way, did Rondale Moore. And, uh, I, I, I can attest having seen Rondale play for a couple years at Purdue and Joe, I'm sure you, you, you would agree that, uh, the, the less the Colts see of Rondale Moore on Sunday, the better. He's a, he's a dynamic player who, uh, very much in the vein of, of what the Colts envisioned Paris Campbell to be a guy that you get the ball with, try to get him in space and see what he can do. And he's done, he's done that to a couple teams this year. He did that to a lot of teams in the big 10. So, uh, as much as fun as he is to watch, I'm sure Colts fans would appreciate it if he didn't play all that much. Yeah, and it's just one less weapon for a team already missing their top dog. And he, he's kind of, they're kind of trying to use him the way that the 49ers use Debo Samuel, where they get him the ball near the line of scrimmage and just let him go. Uh, so if the Colts defense doesn't have to deal with that on Sunday, I'm sure they're not going to be too mad about it. Yeah, 11, 11 guys to the ball and, and keep them in front of you and like, don't don't take any dumb chances. Wait for help, too. Like that's all that stuff, I'm sure, is just being preached uh, over and over again in, in the meeting rooms uh, about how to how to handle a guy that's uh, as slippery as more. And heck, they have a quarterback who's pretty slippery, too. We'll get to him in a little bit. But uh, also did not participate in Tuesday's practice. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker with a shoulder injury, defensive lineman Jordan Phillips with a knee injury. So. Uh, they're a little banged up, and we continue limited participation. Marcus Golden, linebacker with a knee. Tight end Zach Ertz with a hamstring. Center Matt Garcia, who's the starter with a knee. Defensive lineman Zach Kerr uh, with rib injury. We know Zach Kerr. Wide receiver uh, Antoine Wesley has an ankle injury. And we will continue to keep you updated, as I said earlier, on Colts Blues at Colts Blue Zone via Twitter. Uh, but, uh, Chap, you look at this list, and it's it's certainly a lot more lengthy than the Colts list. And uh, we, we've talked about the, the relative health of the Colts team. And again, Frank Reich saying after the Patriots game that there were no new injuries. Uh, of course, outside of that, uh, the Sandejo concussion continues to, to, to kind of linger there a little bit. 
but uh, nevertheless, you, you look at Arizona, and it's a little bit more of the, the typical thing that you might expect this time of year, uh, I think, the, the typical injury report than the Colts. So uh, they are a little bit uh, further behind, but that, that still doesn't take away with uh, some of their, their dangerous, uh, in particular, offensive weapons. It starts with the quarterback, Kyler Murray, but they are certainly full, far from full strength when they were host the Colts on Christmas Day. Yeah, it, it sort of seems like every year that uh, you're going to get your injuries. You're just sorry. Right. This is a, a, a sport of attrition. And we talked early on how the Colts had all of those injuries to deal with early. I mean, tons of them. And it's sort of, you know, knock on wood again, eased as the season's gone on. Now, Darius has dealt with his all year. I think he's getting healthier, which is strange that you can play. And, and it does. I don't think it's getting worse. Maybe it's, maybe it's getting better. And Quentin Nelson's kind of getting himself back into where, to where he was. So, yeah, you know, knock on wood, they're, they're really healthy uh, at, at the right time in the right positions. And also, they, you know, there was a chance it, it's not going to happen. There was a chance, remember, that Paris Campbell was pointing to come back uh, for Christmas Day, which isn't going to happen. And, oh, by the way, you've still got a healthy kicker on the practice or on the IR. So this team is really in pretty good shape. Again, knock on wood. And this is the Colts' first ever Christmas Day game. The NFL has actually avoided Christmas Day games for, for a long time, between all of 1971 to 1989. Uh, but they, they get them every once in a while. And uh, the Colts have one this year. And as the NFL gets to the end of the season, they do employ those Saturday games, trying to, to string things out to build up the suspense, as they do just as well, if not better, than, than every other league that's out there. When you look at the Cardinals coming in, they're 10-4 and four in the NFC and for a long time had been the top seed in the league, in the conference rather. Uh, they're not anymore because they have now lost two straight games. First one, week 14, was 30-23 uh, to 23 to the Rams. And that was kind of a game where the Rams really turned things around. Uh, you play a division opponent, then you know a little bit better. That was kind of a little bit of a medicine to what ails the Rams for what they were going through. But, but then the next game, just last week, a loss to the Lions, and not a good loss to the Lions. It was 30-12 to 12 was the final score, I believe it was, in Week 15. So, uh, I mean, I, I remember just seeing the first quarter score, and I was like, kind of like eyes open, like, oh, hey, Lions are up 10 to nothing, or Lions up 14 to nothing. I'm like, well, this, this game is probably going to be 30-10 to 10 the other way. You know, you, you think the Cardinals are going to come back and, and going to just boat race them in the second half, but that, that did not happen. And uh, the Cardinals have been struggling the past couple weeks. And, <clears throat> Joe, this is something that kind of I've been thinking about, and I definitely tweeted out the other week. Like, it, a, a lot of your season, uh, your ebbs and flows of the season, you play some teams when they're playing well. You play some teams when they're playing really poorly. I mean, the Colts played the Seahawks at the worst time this year because then things just blew up in Seattle. They played the 49ers probably at the best time they could this year because they were banged up and Jimmy Garoppolo was just coming back from injury. They didn't have George Kittle. Uh, they might be playing the Cardinals at a good time because they are, they're finding them. They're, they have lost themselves a little bit right now. They have a couple players like we've been talking about who are hurt, so that certainly doesn't help things. But uh, the Cardinals uh, are, are in need of a game to get right. And uh, and the Colts are, are playing pretty well coming off a win over the Patriots last week. So, like I said, this might be might be the better time to get the Cardinals this season. Yeah, they're playing a sputtering and banged up Cardinals team. But this is also a team that I anticipate is going to be a little desperate out there, really trying to turn things around. Just two weeks ago, they were, the like you said, the number one seed. They had the best record in the NFL with only two losses. Now they're the four seed. 
and they're hanging on the division lead by a thread. I mean, they're tied with the Rams right now, and they have a slight tiebreaker, uh, although they split the series between those two teams. So this is a team who might go in three-week span from number one in their conference to a wild-card spot, depending on how this upcoming weekend goes. Yeah, it's definitely two teams that are on different trajectories right now. I mean, Chap, I was just looking at the Sports Illustrated power rankings earlier today that they tweeted out, and the Colts rose all the way up to third in the NFL's power rankings behind just the Chiefs and the Packers right now. So, I mean, that was, that was to me, that was like, whoa, hey, that was a little stunning, but uh, it's very high. I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, that. It's great to see, if you're a Colts fan, that, that they're getting a little bit of national respect there. But uh, the, the Cardinals ha- have fallen, really, from that top group. Uh, based on what's happened recently. And and like Joe said, I mean, you, you, it's whenever you're going up against a team that, that just got really steamrolled, uh, you, you do wonder how they're going to react. And all, all these guys have pride. They're very uh, they, they they wouldn't have made it this far in their careers if they didn't if they didn't have some semblance of pride. And uh, so, so there's a part of you that says, man, the Cardinals have got to be coming out gangbusters on, on Sunday, I mean, on Saturday, rather at home for this game. But there's another part, like I said, that uh, there's there they are still trying to find themselves right now, and uh, so so it's I guess it's a, it's a little bit of both uh, when when you think uh, do do you think one is w- would you lean more one way or the other, chap, when you're coming into this game? Well, you normally if you're a better, which I learned my lesson long long time yeah, you ago, you only bet with other people's you, money is what you always say. Yeah, correct, cor- correct, <laughs> absolutely. But you bet the hot hand, you just do. Uh, that's why I remember Frank said about the, the run game pass game. He said, we're going to keep giving the ball to JT because you ride the hot hand. I, I, I look at Arizona, and even when they were at the top of the, of the conference, they, they, were, they were set before this, this meltdown in Detroit. They were 7-0 on the road, and they won all seven games by double figures. And during that stretch, they were 3-3 three and three at home. And, and, and they got dusted at home by Carolina. So it's just hard to figure. The one thing to where, and, and again, we've been critical of the Colts for whatever reason. You know, first they weren't running the ball enough, and now are they running it too much and not throwing enough, whatever. They've been pretty consistent. You, you, it, it, they've not had that one, you know, what the heck was that, was that all about, which I think that says that speaks volumes to the way Frank Reich handles this team and the way the team responds to him. So uh, I, we'll get to our predictions later. But I just think you, you, you keep leaning towards the hot hand until the team that's struggling shows that it's not struggling anymore. Yeah, as, as long as we're, we're touching on predictions, I'll touch on this before we move on. You guys were both right about Colts Patriots last week, and I was dead wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll hang myself. I was I wasn't going to bring that. I wasn't going to bring that up. That's okay. I'll admit it. I'm I'm a big enough man to admit when I'm wrong. You both said Colts in the under. I both I said Patriots in the over. So I was doubly wrong. So the lesson is, no one listen to Dave when it comes to gambling, for sure. And uh, and Dave Dave doesn't gamble, so <laughs> there's there's a reason that I don't do that. Um, it, it was a heck of a game, though, heck of a game. You, you guys talked about it plenty on the last Colts Blue Zone podcast, which, by the way, you can get downloaded to your podcast listening device if you subscribe to us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you could find your podcast. Get it right away. Well, the one that Mike and Joe do early in the week to recap the game is always great, and then we do this one kind of previewing uh, the game to come. 
And when you're previewing the Cardinals, it starts with Kyler Murray. Uh, Chap, you mentioned the game where they got uh, roughed up by the Panthers, and Kyler Murray did not play in that game, so you'd certainly point to that as a reason why when he was hurt, out with his ankle injury, I believe it was. Um, but uh, he's incredibly talented, former number one overall pick. Uh, you could see it in the first seven games he had this year. He had seven touchdown pa- 17 touchdown passes, only five interceptions. But the last four games, our esteemed producer Joe Hopkins points out, he only has three touchdown passes and, again, five interceptions. So he's turning the ball over more. The Colts are one of the better turnover teams. Uh, Joe Murray's struggled a bit since coming back from his injury, although being an ankle injury, his first game back, he did rush for 10, rush 10 times, which is the most runs he's had all year for two touchdowns. So you look at the passing stats, really that's only half the story when it comes to Kyler Murray. You certainly have to account for his rushing as well. And Joe, the Colts defense is going to have to try to keep him in a box, I'd imagine, just as they did Josh Allen earlier this year if they hope to come out with a victory in Arizona this weekend. Yeah, he had two touchdowns in that game against the Bears uh, with his legs. Um, Topped 50 rushing yards in two of his last three games. So Kyler Murray, one of the most dangerous running quarterbacks in the NFL in a league where it seems like every year more and more fast uh, quarterbacks who are talented at running the ball enter the league. But uh, he can throw that thing as well. But I think for the Colts, on a team that is missing their top dog in DeAndre Hopkins, the formula is definitely going to be keep him in the pocket and make him throw. But Kyler Murray can beat you in a lot of different ways. Uh, he just has less of that supporting cast to help him out. Yeah, he, he's been sacked uh, quite a bit this year, 25 times. I mean, it's not a gargantuan number, but it's absolutely not a small number either. And he's um, missed like and- three or four games, so... Exactly, yeah. And there's a couple games here. Like, you're, you're looking at the times where he's been sacked. It's there's a couple, there's a bunch of fours and threes and twos. Like there's some, there's some crooked numbers there in the sack area. So if you can, if you can bottle him up, which is very much more difficult uh, to do than it is to say, uh, it, we, we've seen teams do it this year is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but it, it, he's not even like Josh Allen though, who, who shakes off tackles or, uh, or a big quarterback. He will outrun you. Like he can easily outrun linebackers, uh, not 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 with any difficulty. There there was a play earlier this year, and it was pretty recently. I think it was only two or three weeks ago, where it was an NFL Next Gen stat play that Kyler Murray completed a pass down to AJ Green. It was like a twenty yard pass on like a third and twelve or something, but he was running eighteen miles per hour as he threw the ball, which is the fastest a quarterback has ever been running on a completed play in the stat cast era. So it, it was, it was a remarkable play. You see plays like that. You see other plays like last year where uh, he had the, the hail Mary against the bills to win the game. Uh, it was just running for his life. Just chucks it deep, looks effortless on 50, 60 yards in the air. Uh, chap, his, his talent is, is unquestionable, but uh, his, they, people can get to him. It's 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 like I said, easier said than done. But uh, it's it's something the Colts defense has to be able to do. You you can't let him get out the pocket because he is just as dangerous outside the pocket as he is inside. He can throw on the run. He doesn't need to set his feet to throw a ball that's a dart that's on target. Um, so try to try to keep him as they the Colts said earlier this year in the coffin. It has got to be the strategy, one through ten, to to limit what Kyler Murray can do this weekend. Yeah, I mean, think Lamar Jackson in a smaller package. Uh, 
and this guy this guy looks quicker. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's faster. I think he's quicker. It seems like, and we've talked about every week. It seems like one of my concerns has been a steady pass rush, uh, certainly on on the edge. And this is one of those games where, to me, you're more concerned not not necessarily with getting to him, but disrupting him and, and keeping him in the in the cup or, or the coffin, as they say. So, we've just seen through the the entire season and, and through the years. Mobile quarterbacks hurt these guys. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know whether it's, it's they, 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 their aggressiveness is used against them, whatever it is. Uh, and Joe hasn't got it on here. I, I'm going to mention two other words that worry me about the game. Zach Ertz, tight end. So he, you know, he, he yes, he, he's losing, he's lost his his, his nuke at wideout, but tight ends kill these guys. I'll say this about uh, tight ends too, and uh, this happened after the uh, after the Patriots game. Darius Leonard comes out of the locker room, comes to chat with us in the hallway. Chaps already shaking his head because he knows this story, and Darius starts yapping at Zach Kiefer of the Athletic because Kiefer, in, in, in not not a mean spirited way, but certainly a I proved you wrong type of way is what Darius does about. Keep Zach's article about the tight ends really having their way against the Colts. But it was strange to me that Zarius would come out and do this because Hunter Henry scored two touchdowns against them. Had like six for seven, six for 77 with two touchdowns. Yeah. And Darius. Good job guys. Yeah. Like if, if that's your standard for, for proving somebody wrong, I don't know about that. I mean, Darius' standard is we won the game. I'm sure that's it. Like, we, we were able to overcome it. We won the game. So take that and and, and shut up nicely, you know? And and more power to Darius. Like, like we've seen from him over his four years here, he will take anything, anything, and use it as motivation. And I'm sure that it still is for him, uh, that same article, or whatever we are saying right now. Like, I'm sure Darius is an avid listener of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. And, and loves to hear takes from Joe Hopkins, Dave Griffiths, and Mike Chappell. Um, and especially when we're saying that, you know what, I don't know, Darius. Uh, that, it seemed like stat-wise that they did quite a bit, tight ends, against you. And so, yeah, got, got to watch out for Zach Ertz, undoubtedly. Um, I, I'd imagine that uh, he's, a, he's going to have to know, everyone is going to have to know where Zach is at all times. And uh, I'm sure Zach will also have a good uh, good chat with uh, Carson Wentz, with Frank Reich, uh, pregame, postgame, whatever it might be. Those guys spent a lot of great years in Philadelphia together and are, are good friends or, or, were, or were former teammates and coaches. And that was a, a special relationship with them. And we talked about in the offseason, maybe Zach would want to come to, uh, to Indy, but just never happened. And it would have had to have been a trade to get him here anyway. So, um, so yeah, you're right, chap. You got to watch out for Ertz as well. If you're looking at other offensive weapons, James Conner has been the offense's top running, uh, threat. He has more than a thousand yards from scrimmage has 16 total touchdowns. Joe, this is a guy that Arizona basically pit, picked off the scrap heap from Pittsburgh after they let him go. And boy, he has been incredibly important. Uh, but he did split snaps last week with uh, Chase Edmonds uh, returning to the lineup. Edmonds had nearly six yards, has six yards per carry on 82 attempts on the season. Uh, but uh, both of those guys are pretty dangerous. And uh, when you add another quarterback as well who, who can who can do damage with his legs, 
the Colts are going to have to be wary, just as wary, if not more so, of the run game than they are the passing game this weekend. Yeah, I expect Ertz and the two running backs to be really their top weapons, uh, a big part of their game plan. I mean, James Conner is kind of their more power runner, and he was picked up uh, for not a lot of money because of concerns about injuries, but he stayed pretty healthy this year. Uh, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that injury report. I know he's dealing with that heel now. He was dealing with the ankle last week, was still managed to play. Um, but James Conner's a guy who, who's been receiving, uh, doing a good job receiving as well. Just a couple of weeks ago, he had nine catches for 94 yards against the Rams. So he can beat you in multiple ways. Chase Edmonds um, has less power, but he's a little more shifty. Uh, so between those two guys, the Colts definitely have their hands full. There are some things, there, there are some similarities between the Colts offense, I think, and the Cardinals offense, Chap. Um, and, and when I say that, I'm certainly not talking about uh, the, the uniqueness of, of Kyler Murray, because very few people are like Kyler, so they can do more things on offense than almost any team in the NFL. But what I'm talking about is there's a lot more attacking going on around the line of scrimmage um, and a lot more, like, like Joe is saying, try to work the tight ends, try to work the running backs. And then really you take your shots seldomly, like like the Colts do every now and then. It's it's not a real downfield passing attack like you see the Packers do or like you see the Chiefs do. Um, it, it is it is more of a um, a system that gets people involved around the line of scrimmage, where it is whether it is Rondale Moore or Zach Ertz or James Conner. And then once the defense is kind of lulled to sleep or once they make a mistake, boom, that's where you try to hit them over the top. So I, I kind of see that as a little bit of a comparison uh, between the two sides. And the Cardinals have certainly done that well this year to come away with uh, 10 wins in their first 14 games. And that's one thing that, that the Colts need to get back to is they, they've really gotten away from the downfield threat in the passing game. They'll take a few shots. I mean, what they had a 20-some yarder to, to – pass going on 19 yarder to ty but they've really sort of you know in the middle part of the season when Wentz was really chucking it all over the place they, they were getting chunk plays in a passing game a bunch so that, that's sort of uh again what i think we'll see and again one thing with these two teams with the offenses different levels of course but the quarterbacks do present a threat you know I, i'm not saying Wentz is even remotely like, like Kyler Murray, but I tell you, he, he gives them those two or three plays a game that makes a difference with his legs. And I'm not, I'm talking more than the fourth and ones. And again, we, we didn't have that last year with uh, Phillip Rivers. You know, what was his long run last year? Maybe two, if two yards. Lucky, yeah. I, I, if, if we're lucky. But I, I again, I, I think it, it's kind of cool that you've got quarterbacks who, who can do things if either a plate breaks down or with wins on the RPOs where you can do things on your own. So it's, it does give you some diversity on offense. I find it very odd. This is a little bit of a, little bit of a rabbit trail here, but it's kind of on the topic of Carson Wentz that, that that's, that's a question that was asked this week. I, I don't know if it was Kravitz or somebody, and I'm not, I'm not ripping on Kravitz at all. Uh, not at all. But uh, the, the question about, Hey, do you guys need Carson Wentz to win you games? Uh, if you want to get to where you want to get to. And Frank kind of, Frank even said, said yes, in a way. He said that, that, yes, Carson needs to be the quote-unquote star in some games if we want to achieve what we want this year. But, I mean, even look at this last game where Carson Wentz was not, did not have a great stat game at all. And really, it was probably one of his worst games of the year. Let's be honest. He had a couple of turnover-worthy plays. The one interception was a dreadful throw. But, Chap, you mentioned the fourth and one conversions. Those are huge. Like, those are, they're not 
big stat plays, but they are crucial. And like you said, with Philip Rivers last year, that wasn't an option. And Carson does it really, really well. And there was the other play that was inside the 20. It was on like a third down play where he scampled to the outside and got the first down running out of bounds to the far sideline. And then there was the pass to Zach Pascal, the 27-yarder that was down. Like he, he sidestepped the blitz, which was picked up perfectly, by the way, by Jonathan Taylor, and then threw it over the, over the linebackers in front of the safeties. He had another pass that should have been a touchdown that went right through Mo Ali Cox's hands. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that Carson Wentz was a stud in this game. But he did play incredible winning football. Like, he, he's played winning football more so than not throughout this entire season. So, I mean, I, I understand completely when people outside of Indy and talking heads get into, like, well, Carson Wentz should be winning the Colts more games. What I really don't understand is people here in Indy who have watched every snap of this season. People who then go out and say, Carson Wentz needs to make more winning plays. I like, I don't get it. I understand again that that Carson Wentz does not have the stats of some other quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, like a Aaron Rodgers, like a Patrick Mahomes for crying out loud. But I like I, I don't understand why people think he hasn't played winning football. I, I just it it is completely baffling to me that somebody can look at him, somebody in the Indianapolis media can look at him for this entire season and say that he's not playing winning football. It makes no sense. Absolutely none. So there's my Carson Wentz rant for the day. It's it's baffling. I I agree, and I'll go two different ways on it. If you look at the body of work, I mean, he's been worth the third and the first. Entirely. Keep keep, keep in mind that he he triggered the the percentage of playtime, so so they're giving up a one next year. And they would have done it 10 times out of 10 anyway, and even more so now. All I would say is that and it, it, it kind of we, we went back and forth with Frank a little bit. My point was during that conversation is how hard is it to remain aggressive and productive with a passing game when you're running for 220, 225, 260, and that do, it, that does skew things. It just you can't. You, it, it's hard to have both. It, it, it's hard to rush for 220. And throw for 220. It just is. It's just tough to do. If nothing else, from a from a play count. My only issue was five of 12 for 57. Generally, is not enough. It's not good enough. It, it, it okay. If you're gonna throw it 12 times, then eight for 12. And keep in mind, Moali Cox dropped a touchdown pass. He did. It was a high pass. Yes, but you got to make the play. But Mo is so tall. My only point. I, I agree. <laughs> And I, my only point is that, and, and that's where Frank sort of said, well, you know, at some point he will be the quote-unquote star of the game. You, you, you can't, you're not going to win against quality teams normally with 57 yards passing. It's like the fifth fewest pa- yards passing in a win in franchise history for a reason. Uh, so that, that was my only point. And he's had three of his worst yardage games in the last month which coincides with these 200-yard games. So, uh, again, I'm not saying that, that we're going to see Carson Wentz go out there and go 22 of, of 30 for 320. But I think, he, like, like Frank said, that when, when you're going to have less passing, you need to be efficient when you throw it. It's kind of like that guy, maybe a kick returner or a punt returner. He knows he's going to get three or four plays a game, so he tries to do too much with it. But you've got to be efficient when you do throw. So, you know, I, I think he's he's been 
everything they wanted offensively. But I, I, I really worry how far this team, what this team can do if you make a steady diet on throwing your quarterback throwing for 105 yards or whatever it's been over the last month. And, and I agree with everything you said there, just, just to be direct. I'm, I'm not ripping on people for asking Frank Reich questions about Carson Wentz at all. I think there are deserving questions that need to be asked. I just I just think some people put put too much of a high standard on him when Tom Brady goes out and gets shut out by the Saints last no week. No question. And like and Carson Wentz is just being being dragged through the coals for by some people for for going 5 for 12, which is not a good stat line. I I'm not trying to say it is, but to say that he didn't make winning plays in that game is wrong. He didn't make some good plays, absolutely, but there were also a lot of winning plays in there that were crucial to the Colts winning that game. So anyway, we move on. As we are, we got way down that rabbit hole. Our last player that we were talking about with the uh, Cardinals, uh, Buda Baker on defense, someone Carson Wentz will have to watch out for, is one of the league's best safeties. Two-time first-team All-Pro, three interceptions this season. Uh, slot cornerback Byron Murphy leads the team with four. Uh, so uh, another team like last week with J.C. Jackson, who had, I think it was like seven or nine interceptions. I forget what it was. So these numbers aren't quite uh, quite on that same level, but uh, Baker is one, uh, Joe, that, that is an incredibly talented player. I think we've mentioned him in our draft previews a couple years ago. I don't know how deep we got into Buda Baker, but it's definitely a player that uh, Carson Wentz is going to have to watch for when uh, when uh, the fr- when kickoff comes on Saturday. Yeah, I think this defense, it, it started out as one of the best in the league at the beginning of the year. I think it slowed down a little bit. I mean, they did just give up 30 points to the Lions. Um, but you know, they're missing JJ Watt. They're missing a few pieces. They do have a couple talented players, uh, on the edge as well, but I just think Buda Baker is really, uh, brings that attitude in that secondary. He almost reminds me a little bit, a little bit of Bob Sanders where he's that undersized player, but he'll come down and just knock the hell out of you. Uh, he plays really smart, really fast. So Buda Baker is definitely somebody that Carson Wentz is going to have to know where he is at all times. The Cardinals offense and defense both rank in the top 10 in both scoring and yards. So that's a heck of an accomplishment for a team to have both units in that group. Uh, points per game, they're at 27, which is eighth in the league. Uh, defensive points per game, they're allowing 20 per game, which is fifth in the league. Those are the most important stats, of course. They're sixth in sacks. Marcus Golden leads him with 11. Syracuse's Chandler Jones has nine and a half. And if I remember correctly, he had like nine of those in the first game or something like that. He had, he had like five, four or five, didn't he, Joe, if you can remember? He had five in week one against the Titans. So he has four and a half sacks since then. So he, he has fewer sacks in weeks two through uh, 15 that he had in week one. To be fair, I think he's missed a few weeks. I think he's only played nine total games this year. But, yeah, he's slowed down since week but he, one. He, but he's a game. But, but but he's a game. If you're not careful, he's a game. Absolutely, he, is. he really is. Most of those guys from Syracuse on the defensive line are. Let, let's be honest. Oh jeez. <laughs> hey, did, I was, did, talking, did I was he, talking about Dwight Freeney. Did, <laughs> did he graduate or just attend? I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll give him the honorary degree, even if he uh, he hasn't hasn't graduated just. There's yet. a chance you guys have but, matching uh, sweatshirts there. It, it is true. I am wearing my Syracuse sweatshirt right now. Joe, Joe calling me out. And shaking his head because he loves it. I'll, I'll get you one for Christmas, Joe. Don't worry. Uh, the Cardinals' seventh in takeaways on the year as well, so they can get the ball from you if you're not being careful with 24 on the season. J.J. Watt had something to do with that before he got hurt, too. He had a couple, I think. He was having a really good uh, couple of games before he got injured and got knocked out for the year. But, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, nevertheless, the Cardinals' uh, offense and defense, you, you can't sleep on either one of these units. But if there is one thing you can attack on them, 
as we get to our keys to the game, it is their run defense. Keep running the ball. The Cardinals allow 4.6 yards per carry, which is sixth worst in the NFL, and allow nearly 113 yards rushing per game. And as Joe, you point out, the Cardinals just gave up 112 yards rushing to Craig Reynolds of the Detroit Lions in his first career start. So, Joe, I'd imagine that you think Jonathan Taylor is going to have another heavy volume game this weekend. Yeah, and it's just like we were talking about earlier. Either Jonathan Taylor is going to rush for 200 against these guys, or they're really going to come out motivated and inspired after an embarrassing showing uh, and be determined to stop the run. Not saying that that determination alone will stop Jonathan Taylor, but, I mean, Taylor over the past six games has averaged 144 rushing yards per game, which is just... Uh, absurd numbers so uh just keep running the ball there's no reason to complicate things i know it'd be nice if carson Wentz kind of made some plays in the passing game but just stick with the formula that's beat the buffalo bills and the new england patriots and you should probably beat the arizona cardinals as well if you want to run the ball it'd be nice to stop the run on the other side and chap that includes kyler murray uh it's uh it's edmonds it's connor it's murray um, try, try to make him throw the ball. Uh, you're, they're down a couple weapons, uh, but they definitely have a couple others, whether it comes to Christian Kirk or AJ green, uh, who knows about what Rondell Moore is going to, if he'll be able to play this weekend. Uh, it is a Saturday game. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Um, but the Colts are certainly better against the run when they win. Um, they are limiting opponents in the run game more so when they win than when they lose. So, uh, chap, what, what, when we're when we're talking about stopping the run, I think that certainly starts with Kyler Murray more so than Connor and Edmonds. Not that you want to lose those two guys, but um, if you if you lose track of Murray, then then he could really really do damage. So if you if you want to stop the run, start with keeping the quarterback in the pocket. He, he's just one of those rare guys. He and the Lamar Jacksons, where they're, they're defense beaters. You, you've got the defense dialed up perfectly. You've got you've got coverage perfect. And then he scoots out, and he's—you hope it's ten yards, maybe it's fifteen, maybe it's thirty. So that—that's what just drives defenses crazy. Is, is when everybody is doing the right thing, everybody, and the guy beats you. So that—that's what you, they need. They need to uh, keep it. You know, th- this is this isn't football one on one where where we're just breaking new ground. This is what they've got to do. And I think if they can keep Murray in the pocket and, and make it, you know, get some pressure, make him kind of look around enforce things but if the quarterback gets loose for 50 or 60 yards it's just hard to win when they've got other guys around him chap and i think to, to kind of take that point one step further with lamar jackson as well as a guy like kyler murray like you figure that's going to happen in a game and you can't lose your cool once it does and looking back to what the ravens did they were just able to drive and drive and drive and drive over and over and over again in that fourth quarter and murray kept making play after play after play so if if you if you let them make one play or even two, whatever, like let water under the bridge, move on to the next play. It, it can't keep happening. You can't get in your head because something happened in that Ravens game that the defense just could not stop anything Lamar Jackson wanted to do. So don't let Kyler Murray fall into that same same pattern and, and be able to uh, in crunch time when he needs it make whatever play he needs. And I know by the way, Mark Andrews tore him up. Oh yeah, tight end. That's why I say. That's why I say it's. It, they're different teams, but Lamar Jackson and Andrews, and now you've got Murray and, and Ertz. So you just, and again, this defense is playing better. It, it, it is. You just can't afford to have that letdown because again, these, these guys are big plays waiting to happen.
And you could also use some smart play from Carson Wentz for sure. Like I mentioned, Arizona can take the ball away. Uh, get rid of those bonehead turnovers. Like I said, the one last week was just uh, watching it from from the press box was like an oh my goodness, what are you doing? Maybe one of his worst of the year. I put it up there with the uh, the left-handed pass inside the five-yard line uh, against the Titans. It just there was no reason to be throwing that ball, especially given the situation of the game. Um, so anyway, uh, make make more winning plays than losing plays, as I was saying like ten minutes ago. Uh, that that would be nice, and to keep the losing plays to a minimum would be fantastic. Joe, you also mentioned try to get Michael Pittman Jr. involved, and and it's true he really hasn't been as involved lately. Uh, I don't think it doesn't seem like he has been uh, since that game where he seemed to lose a little bit of his mojo against the uh, the Bucks. Uh, was was not a good one, and last week just didn't do a ton. Um, so kind of bringing in what Chap said earlier, Joe, about trying to take a few more shots if you're the Colts, um, and having having that in your repertoire. If you're going to take more shots, it's going to be Pittman probably more times than not that's the one trying to beat the defense deep. So you'd, you'd like to see Pitt get a few more balls thrown his way. Yeah, and with the emphasis on Taylor, I think it's important to establish that Michael Pittman Jr. is still that threat on the outside. I remember... I get completely different teams, but against the Houston Texans, they were doing a pretty decent job early in the game at bottling up uh, Jonathan Taylor in the run game. And then the Colts got Michael Pittman Jr. more involved. I think he had over 100 yards from scrimmage in that ball game. And then over the course of the game, Taylor just kind of wore down that defense because they had multiple uh, phases, multiple things to worry about. So I'm not saying Michael Pittman Jr. needs 120 yards for the Colts to win this game, but I think it is important for to keep him involved so that defense has to respect Pittman Jr. and they can't just completely hone in on JT. Well, FanDuel has the Colts one-and-a-half-point underdogs in Arizona this weekend, and the uh, over-unders set at 49-and-a-half, so they expect a pretty high-scoring game between these two potent offenses. So you're looking at like a... Like what, a 25-24 ball game right around there is what they're thinking, 25-26-24. Uh, so that that would certainly be a thrilling result, no doubt about it. Uh, I will go first in my prediction. Joe, you can follow and Chap can wrap things up uh, from us here. Uh, I, I, I picked against the Colts last week, didn't I? And, and it worked out pretty well uh, for, for the Colts uh, to, to rally against Dave. But uh, th- this is going to be another tough one, man. This is on the road, which is... Uh, another another um, another fly in the ointment, I guess. But uh, Chap brought up a stat earlier that I was that I was going to mention right now, and that was how Arizona has played at home. They have been beatable at home this year. They they have been unbeatable on the road until they went into uh, went to Ford Field. You just don't just waltz into Ford Field and cut, come out with a win, folks. Playing the Detroit Lions that just doesn't happen. But uh, in a more serious note. They were only three and three on the year at home, uh, like Chap said. So uh, I think they're beatable there. I think the Colts are cruising right now. Again, like Chap said, I think you ride the hot hand, which is the Colts right now. I like the Colts in this game. And Mike, I'm going to try not to pick your score. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a score of 27 to 24. Colts over <laughs> Colts over the Cardinals. Oh my gosh! Did I did I hit it on the head? Please tell me I did. <laughs> Yes. Yes, I did it again. I love it. But uh, I'm sure Mike will have his reasons that he'll get to in a minute. Joe, why don't you give us what you think is going to happen in this game? And you can't pick (laughs) (laughs) 27-24. No, I actually think, 
you know, just what we're talking about where these are two teams going in opposite directions. Um, I think the Colts are one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in football right now. And the Cardinals are struggling. They don't have any go-to guy on that offense right now. I'm going to take the Colts 31 to 20. Blowout, Joe. Mike, your turn. Not really, but. I do have 27-24. I have it circled, so I had I, I had it down. I Again, I, I, I just think you ride the hot hand. And as much as I still say we're waiting for that one stinker from the Colts, maybe it was that Jacksonville game, maybe. Uh, I, I just – these guys are dialed in. Uh, they're about a 90% chance to make the playoffs right now. And this game really doesn't factor in a, a lot. It, it just doesn't. You know, the, the, the Raider game, uh, it, the, the next Raider game, that's really going to be the one. I just think they're playing well. Jonathan Taylor is going to run. And one name we didn't mention that I think is going to be a factor in the game, Naheem Hines. He had one touch. Uh, again, it was pretty good touch, pretty good touch. But I, I think they find a way to get him involved in the running game as well. So I think 27-24 with, let's say Michael Badgley makes a game-winning kick because right now I think there's some people starting to want to climb off that train. So maybe this will be a chance for him to sort of ease the criticism, if there is criticism. A tradition unlike any other, Dave and Joe stealing Mike's prediction as we get to the final segment. I'm getting cool. darn tired of it, too. I'm getting darn tired of it. <laughs> Maybe we should next let week him I go promise. first next week. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll, I promise yeah. I'll let Chap go first next week. <laughs> Thanks and, a lot. Uh, yeah, no problem. No problem. You can follow us online on Twitter, each one of us individually. Mike is at mchapel51. I'm Dave Griffiths, at Dave G underscore sports. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. And we as a unit are the at Colts Blue Zone podcast. Follow us there for Colts news and notes throughout the week. Injury updates from both teams' practices as the Colts get ready to face the Cardinals on Saturday night, Christmas Day. We do wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Hope you get to spend some time with your loved ones, your families, and also enjoy a, a rousing Colts evening. Uh, that would be a, a great cap to, uh, to so many people's Christmas, I'm sure, who are listening to this podcast. So this has been the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.